0: Hi everyone, if faith is a journey, then the Christian walk is one in which we wear two shoes. One shoe is called trust, the other one, obey. And we walk by faith, not by sight. We simply trust and obey. God's word, we're told in Psalm 119, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Now, faith is not belief without proof, but it's trust without reservation. Trust and obey. And today I want to talk to you about the path of obedience. And we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament that's so extraordinary that the Bible references it, this passage, no less than 10 times throughout scripture. It's taken from the book of Numbers. This book in the Old Testament is called Numbers in English because it's full of, well, Numbers. It starts with Moses taking a census of the Israelites. But in Hebrew, this book is called B'midba, which means in the desert, which is a far more helpful title, setting the context of the story as it records the years that God's people wandered in the wilderness. You may know the story. The people of God had been led out of slavery from Egypt. They're led by Moses, and they'd spent 38 years wandering in the wilderness, Then they finally get to the edge of the river Jordan, to a land called Moab in modern-day Jordan. And from here, they would prepare to cross over into the promised land of Canaan. Now, they had no intention of fighting the Moabites. But Balak, the king of Moab, doesn't know this. So he is terrified. Now, a quick side point. The Moabites were the descendants of Moab, who was born to Lot, Abraham's nephew, after he'd slept with his eldest daughter after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Not very pleasant. And the Moabites now worshiped a God called Chemosh. But eventually, the Moabites, this nation, would be used by God. Ruth was a Moabite. And she married Boaz, a Jew, and she became the great-grandmother of King David. And from her comes the line, the family line of Jesus. But let's go back to King Balak of Moab. He thinks, look, I can't possibly defeat Moses and these Israelites without a bit of magic. So he calls for an internationally known diviner and seer called Balaam. Now, Balaam was highly regarded by both the Moabites and the Midianites as a soothsayer, we're told this in Joshua 13, and as a prophet, we're told this in Numbers chapter 24. And he had the ability to bless or curse with his words. You know, there's even a prophecy given by Balaam that's recorded outside of the Bible in an Aramaic text from dear Allah in the Jordan Valley, dating back to about 700 BC. So this is a real person. And Balaam's brother was a king of Edom. Now, there was really bad blood between the Edomites and the Israelites. Edomites were the descendants of Edom, also called Esau, and his twin brother, Jacob, who was also called Israel, Sort of kind of didn't get on. And the Edomites had refused to give the Israelites safe passage out of Egypt as they came through the wilderness. Actually, even years later, the prophet uh, Obadiah records that the Edomites joined in with the Babylonians in destroying the temple in Jerusalem in 587 BC. So the Edomites don't like the Israelites either. And King Balak of Moab summons Balaam the Edomite to come and speak out a curse over the approaching Israelites. But in Numbers chapter 22, verse 12, God speaks to Balaam. He says this, do not go with them, that's the Moabites. You must not put a curse on those people, the Israelites, because God says, they are blessed. So Balaam says to Balak, look, I can't do this. So what does Balak do? He ups the price that he's offering Balaam. Verse 16, we read this. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. Balaam is greedy. We know this because in uh, 2 Peter 2.15, it says, speaking of false prophets, uh, that they had wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. So what does Balaam do? He goes to Balak. And this is where we pick up the story, beginning in Numbers chapter 22, verse 21. Let me read. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Don't worry, there's a bit of beating of a donkey here, but the donkey's okay in the end. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam and he was angry and beat her with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Now, this is where it gets a little bit Shrek. I'm sure this is where uh, they got the idea of the talking donkey in the movie Shrek. Because the Lord opens the donkey's mouth and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And this is really, uh, I love this bit because Balaam doesn't go, oh, It's a talking donkey. He starts having a conversation with the donkey. Balaam answered the donkey, You've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Notice the irony in this. Balaam doesn't have a sword, but the angel right in front of him does. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So Balaam bowed low and fell face down. The the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have Killed you by now, but I would have spared her. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border, at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, I have come to you now, Balaam replied, but can I say just anything? But, I, but can I just say anything? No, I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam went with Balak to Kiriath-Huzoth. Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some to Balaam and the princes who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal, and from there he saw part of the people. Wow, what does this extraordinary story teach us? Well, the first thing I want to say to you is this. You are blessed. Now, this doesn't mean that life is always easy. The Israelites, well, they'd been through 430 years of slavery in Egypt and 38 years wandering in the desert. But God will never leave you nor forsake you when you put your faith in him. And he promises to bless you. Years later, when the people of God are then exiled in Babylon, God would remind them through the prophet Jeremiah of this. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is true for you too. Even if you don't know the details of that future or that plan, you can wear the shoes of trust. It's God's promise to you. And here in Numbers 22, verse 12, God says to Balaam, don't go with the Moabites because you can't curse my people, the Israelites, he says, they are blessed. So when Balaam eventually utters his oracles, which he does, when he sees the Israelites, he speaks out seven oracles. And when he does that, he's unable to curse the Israelites. In fact, his first four oracles, he speaks out blessing over them. And then the final three oracles, he turns and curses Israel's enemies. You know, the scriptures are full of blessings that God speaks over you. We recently did a live recording in Mandarin of the worship song, The Blessing. And this is based on a blessing that God speaks over us. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 24, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord looks at your face and blesses you. This is partly how we have our identity in Jesus Christ. How do we know someone's identity? By their face and their name. That's why every passport I see has a photo and a name. And the Lord looks at you today and he knows you and speaks blessing over you as his child. And even now, the Lord is singing blessing over you and me. When uh, Sarah gave birth to our first child, Samuel, I'll never forget the moment he was born. The nurse passed this tiny new little baby into my hands and sort of in a moment of inspiration, what did I do? I lifted him up into the air and I spoke over him the words of Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I think in my head at this moment, I could hear Elton John singing the circle of life. It was a bit of a Lion King moment, but I like to think it was also a Holy Spirit moment because it's true. The Lord sings blessing over you and me right now. So don't be afraid if someone curses you or if someone threatens to curse you, it won't work because you belong to Christ and you are blessed. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You are blessed. The second thing we see in this passage is God is in control of your path. In this story, we see that it's preferable to walk in a a path of obedience rather than what Balaam does, which is to walk a path of disobedience. Balaam is on his donkey and uh, he's on a path of disobedience when the donkey sees the angel of the Lord in front with his sword drawn and the donkey turns off the road into a field. I wonder, have you ever felt diverted in life? like you've ended up somewhere completely different from where you were aiming for, or you're thinking maybe even today, how on earth did I end up here in life? And then in verse 25, we read that the donkey then pushes against the wall and it crushes Balaam's foot. Have you ever felt crushed in life? Maybe right now you feel under the weight of work and worry or expectation. And then in verse 27, the donkey simply lies down and refuses to move. Do you feel like you're going nowhere? Now, these signs aren't always uh, a sign that we're on the path of disobedience. But when we are on such a path, we can often see these things happening in our life. But here's the good news. God is ultimately in control of your path. And if you're heading in the wrong direction, he'll let you know. He'll do three things. Firstly, he'll block the way. That's what the angel does. There's no chance that Balaam can move forward. I remember when I was finishing my theological studies at seminary and I was, I was looking for a, a job. What, what, where was I gonna serve as, as a pastor? I got into very advanced talks with uh, a church in this one particular city. And I was really excited about it and it all looked really good. But then at the last minute, it fell through for funding reasons. I thought, oh no, what am I gonna do? I haven't got a job. How am I gonna support my family? Everyone else at college has got a job. Oh no, and I felt crushed by it. But then out of the blue, I got a phone call, would you come for interview at HTB in London? So I went, I got the job, I got ordained, I served there. And then from HTB came the invitation to plant into KL this church, HTBB. I look back now and it was horrible at the time, but I'm so glad that the Lord blocked the way because he had a different path for me. If you're on the wrong path, don't worry, he'll block it. Second thing he often does is he then opens our eyes spiritually. This is what he does with Balaam. Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn, so he bowed low and fell face down. Today, you can ask the Lord to open your eyes as you seek direction from him. We see this in the end of Joshua chapter five, when eventually the Israelites do cross over into Canaan The first city that they come to is Jericho. And just before the battle of Jericho, Joshua sees the same angel of the Lord with his sword drawn. And Joshua goes to the angel and he says something very interesting. He says, whose side are you on? Ours or the enemy? And the angel's answer is brilliant. He says, neither. The angel basically says, I've not come to take sides. I've come to take over. So the real question was, Joshua, are you on my side? I think that's what God's saying to us today. Don't ask him to be on your side, to bless your plans. Make sure you're on God's side and follow his plans for your life. Have eyes to see because they are the best plans, plans to give you a hope and a future. So we can block, he can open our eyes, but the other thing God may do is he'll then speak and he can speak in any way he wants, even through surprising ways, like through a donkey. I have a a friend called Pete, Uh, he's a pastor and uh, he was going to meet somebody he he knew called Dave uh, for a coffee and as he was on the way, he prayed and he said, Lord, is there anything you want me to, to say to Dave? And he thought about how Dave had been quite serious recently, uh, seemed quite stressed. And he thought, well, maybe I could quote Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So as he was praying on the way, he thought, yeah, I'm going to say to Dave that he needs joy in his life. So he got there. They were having a coffee and halfway through the chat, Pete said, you know, Dave, I've been thinking I think you need joy in your life. And Dave looked at him and went, what, say that again? Pete thought, oh no, what have I said? And he went, "Uh, I said, I think you need joy in your life. And Dave said, oh, thank you, Lord. Pete said, what do you mean? He goes, God's just spoken to me. Pete said, how? He said, well, I've met this girl online and I've been asking the Lord, should I date her or not? Would you make it clear? You see, her name is Joy. And you've just said to me, I need Joy in my life. The Lord's spoken. And Pete was like, oh, he has. And sure enough, Dave went on, dated Joy. They're now happily married with kids. He can speak any way that he likes. Don't worry, God will make it clear to you if you're on the right path or not. And you can trust him. He is in control of your life, a life that he blesses. The third thing we see in this story is that we can repent, obey, and receive God's grace. You know, if we've been disobedient, and I think often we know it, if we've sinned, we tend to know, then the best course of action is to repent. And this is what Balaam does at first. Verse 34, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. That's kind of what repenting is. It's not just a saying sorry, but it's a turning around, reorientating your life. And maybe the Lord is prompting you to repent and to receive his forgiveness right now. And then God told Balaam to obey, to walk a path of obedience instead of a path of disobedience. Verse 35, the angel of the the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. The shoes of faith are trust, and obey. So, did Balaam obey? Well, yes and no. At first, yes, in verse 38, he does say to Balak, I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. And then he does speak out four oracles of blessing over the Israelites, much to Balak's annoyance. But he's not entirely obedient. We know this because In verse 40, we read this, Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some to Balaam and the princes who were with him. You see, this would have involved Balak giving the liver of the animals to Balaam because Balaam specialized in liver divination. This is sorcery and idol worship involved with the god of Chemosh, the Moabite god. This is why in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, it says that Balaam taught the Midianites to entice the Israelites to sin, which unfortunately they do by leading them astray into idol worship by Numbers chapter 25. And in Numbers 31, verse 8, as well as in Joshua chapter 13, we're told that eventually Balaam is killed whilst fighting for Balak against the Israelites. So disobedience is never a good thing. It it tends to lead to destruction. But again, you don't need to worry. Unlike Balaam, you won't be destroyed because someone has now ridden a donkey, not on the path of disobedience, but on the path of obedience. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday, on the path that he knew would lead to the cross. Philippians 2.8 says of Jesus that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross so that we, so that you can now be forgiven and be restored with God. You can be 100% confident of receiving his grace today and that yours is not a path of destruction, but a path of everlasting life. And in his fourth oracle, Balaam actually utters a Holy Spirit inspired messianic prophecy about Jesus. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will rise, out, will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Jesus is the bright morning star. He is the king of king who rules with a royal scepter in control of your life and mine. And he has died and risen from the dead for you and me. Today, unlike Balaam, you can see him in faith. He is now near by his Holy Spirit. So why don't we ask his Spirit to come now as we turn to him in repentance and as we turn to him in faith, as we trust and obey all the plans that he has for our lives. Wherever you are right now, why don't you just follow me and pray? Let's pray. We pray, Lord Jesus, we come before you now in repentance. We confess where we have been disobedience or, or, or maybe we've not trusted you. And if there's anything the spirit comes, brings to mind, just say sorry to the Lord right now, turn to him. Thank you, Jesus, that you rode that path of obedience on a donkey to the cross. You died for me, for every one of us, that we are now forgiven and set free and put back onto a path of obedience that leads to a place of hope and blessing. We receive that forgiveness right now. And Holy Spirit, would you come now and draw near? Come, Holy Spirit. Allow the spirit just to flood your heart now with his peace and his presence. The prophet Isaiah says that of Jesus that you know, a bent reed he will not break, her. He won't crush your spirit. He's the one that lifts off that weight, that presses in. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The purpose of a yoke was to put oxen together to share the load. And one way in which we can share the burden is by standing with one another in prayer. If you want prayer right now, you can click to request prayer, or you can write in, or you can come to Lot 10, and we'd love to stand with you in prayer because the yoke of Christ is easy together. And I think there's someone here who has a decision to make, a bit like Dave was asking for the Lord to speak. And I think he's going to speak to you right now. One of the ways in which I test the Lord's will in my life is that Colossians verse, may the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Do you have a peace over the decision that you're making? The Lord will show you right now. So let's take this opportunity to continue to pray and to worship the one who is in control of our lives again, the mighty Lord Jesus. Let's worship.